Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another playoff edition of the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. I'm your host, Ben Ross. Thanks for tuning in this week. we got a great guest for you, Chris Townsend, the host and senior broadcast producer of the A's. You know him as the host of A's pre- and post-game shows and A's cast live, also a studio host during the broadcast. So this is a guy who has been around the A's a long time. I don't think there's anyone more passionate about Oakland A's baseball than Uncle Townie. So we'll get to Chris in a little bit, but first, got to talk about the disappointing loss in Game 1 of the ALDS. Of course, you know the Astros taking it by a count of 10-5. to 5. It certainly looked good for the A's early on, jumping out to a 3-0 lead and then building up a 5-3 lead after five innings, but seven unanswered runs by the Astros, and that lineup starting to get a little bit of its swagger back, at least it certainly looked like it in Game 1. Game 2 coming up later today, Sean Manaya takes the hill for the A's, making his first start of the postseason. He'll be countered by Framber Valdez, the young left-hander, for the Astros and don't want to call it a must win game for the A's, but it is pretty close to that. You don't want to fall behind two nothing in a best of five series, especially against a team like the Astros, which, you know, say what you want about them. And I've said a little bit of everything. I, I still say they're cheaters and that 2017 world series is not legitimate, but they have a lot of postseason experience. The bats really got going in game one, 16 hits for Houston. It was a pretty wild back-and-forth affair in Game 1. 3-0 A's, as I mentioned. They had a couple of home runs. Chris Davis hit a two-run shot in the second, then a solo blast from Sean Murphy in the third. But Alex Bregman answered with a solo home run in the fourth, and then Carlos Correa, his first of two home runs on the day, tied the game at three. A's went back on top 5-3, a home run by Matt Olson. That was his first hit of the playoffs, so... Nice to see if you're an A's fan. And a sacrifice fly by Mark Canna. And then the big error in the sixth inning, an uncharacteristic error from Marcus Simeon, who's been a gold glove finalist. And the Astros would go on to score four unearned runs in the inning. And from there, they breeze to the 10-5 win. Can't give a team like that extra outs. And the A's certainly paid the price. So it'll be a tough one for them to get over. Fortunately, they get right back to it in game number two and an opportunity to even the series. Man, the ball was really flying in game one at Dodgers Stadium. It was hot. I think it was around 93 degrees at first pitch. And while Dodger Stadium is known as a pitcher's park at night, the ball can certainly carry pretty well if it's hot during the daytime. And that's exactly what happened. Going to be warm all week, although I think it's supposed to cool down into the 80s and possibly even the 70s as the week goes on. So we might not see quite as much jump off the bat, which pitchers I think will be very happy about. But yeah, in game one, we saw five homers in the first three and a half innings between the two clubs. Unfortunately for the A's, they were unable to really put the game away. They had opportunities, especially... In the fourth inning, after they took a 4-3 lead, they had runners on second and third, nobody out, and couldn't add to that lead, couldn't score either one of the runners. 
the home runs are nice, but you've got to be able to take advantage of other opportunities as well. A few positives for Oakland. Chris Davis with his second home run of the postseason. He also singled in the game, so it's really nice to see him starting to produce a little bit. As we mentioned, Olsen also homered. That was his first hit of the playoffs. And boy, Sean Murphy just continues to rake out of the number nine spot. So the bat's getting going a little bit. The bullpen didn't perform all that well, but you at least have a fresh Liam Hendricks and Joaquin Soria. And even though they, they used a lot of relievers, no one threw more than 19 pitches. That was Wendelkin. And aside from that, no one else threw more than 14. So everyone should be available again for game number two. We'll get to our guest, Chris Townsend, in a moment. But first, want to tell you about betonline.ag. With football back, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. And again, it's not just football. You got every sport where you can place wagers, including baseball. Taking a look at this Astros-A's series. The A's were actually a slight favorite entering the series. Now, after... The Astros won game one. Houston is minus 205 to take the series. A's at plus 175. The one that surprises me is how big of a favorite the Dodgers are over the Padres. Dodgers at minus 265. Padres plus 225. Obviously, the Dodgers are the favorites to win the World Series, but I'm telling you, this Padres team might be the next best team in baseball, at least in my opinion. They are exciting to watch. That lineup is dangerous. I think that series will go five games, and I would not be surprised to see San Diego pull off the upset there. From games and spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, our guest this week on the Believe in Oakland A's podcast is a host and senior broadcast producer for the A's. You know him as the voice of the A's pre- and post-game shows and an in-studio host during the broadcasts. Chris Townsend, thank you so much for coming on the Believe in A's podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing miserable. I wish we were we had a better outcome today in game one, but uh, it is what it is, but it's great to be on with you, and I always appreciated you always coming on my show and helping me out, so it's uh, wonderful to be here. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I wish we had a, a better result to talk about today. Let's jump right into it. The, the Astros taking game one of the ALDS 10-5, to and Chris, this was just a really frustrating game from the A's perspective. They grabbed the early 3-0 lead. They can't hold on to that one. They then go up 5-3, to and the Astros score the last seven runs of the game. Uh, what, what are your biggest takeaways from this one? Is, is this just one of those games you got to just flush it and move on, or, or is there anything that you take out of this one that you can use moving forward? Well, I mean, obviously for them as players, they've got to flush it. I mean, they have no other choice. Uh, I actually kind of did a little research while I was a little angry. And um, <laughs> if you date back to 2006, game one of the ALCS, now they won and swept the, the, the Twins in the ALDS, but the ALCS, they got swept by the Tigers. So if you go back to 2006, 
12, 13, 14, 18, 19, and now two in 20. They have lost every game one, whether it's a series or a wild card game. So they lost game one of this wild card series and now game one of this ALDS. So that's eight straight game ones they've lost. And I don't know how to, I, I don't, I don't know how to break it down because you're looking at different, different managers. You're looking at different players. You're looking at different. I mean, it's like, how is it possible they've been so bad in game one, dating back to 2006? But you know, tomorrow becomes so crucial because we had uh, on AceCast Live today. We had the um, the number for you when you lose or when you win game one. I should say it's a better way to put it. You win the series 72% of the time. So when you win game one, the odds are with you because now uh, you got to win three out of four. And heck, if you lose tomorrow, then you got to sweep just to be in it. And that's why winning game one is so crucial. But now game two, I mean, you want to talk about pivotal with, with Manai on the mound. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hate to call it a must win when it's not technically a must win, but it's, it's pretty darn close. As you said, you don't want to fall behind this team 2-0 and have to win three in a row. I guess maybe the silver lining here is that uh, the A's are in familiar territory after after losing so many game ones. And at least last round, they were able to come back and win the next two to get by the White Sox. Um, but looking at Sean Manaya, um, what what do you think he needs to do to be successful? Because this Astros lineup was swinging the bats really well today. Yeah, the first thing that I'm going to look at, we had uh, Sean Manai on the show today, earlier this morning. As Hey, by the way, these morning starts, they're killing me. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. We're, yeah. we're, we're taping guys like at 8, 8.30 in the morning, oh my going God. on at 9, doing four hours, and then postgame goes till I didn't sign – Baseball people, we don't sign up for mornings. No, we're night people. people. Yeah. So, uh, Manaya to me, I'm going to look, first thing I'm going to look at is how sharp he is. Yeah. Because you got to remember, you know, when, when we're taping this on a Monday night, you know, he hasn't thrown since almost two weeks ago at Dodger Stadium on a Wednesday. So, it's basically going to be like 13 days since he's faced live hitters starting pitchers are creature of habit. You've completely taken him out of his routine. And the reason why is because they didn't want to pitch him against the White Sox because after they saw what happened to Lazardo, they knew it was not going to be smart to go lefty again. So that's going to be the big key for me tomorrow is we, we first see Sean, how sharp is he and how long can he takes the, take this thing because he pitched well in September, but before that we'd see him get through the order one time and then, you know, kind of crash either the third or fourth. So, how sharp and how deep can he go? Yeah, and obviously in the playoffs, you're going to have a short leash with your starters. So we'll, we'll see. I'm sure they'll keep a close eye on him. Um, on the other side of things, uh, the Astros throwing a lefty of their own in game two, Framber Valdez. And, you know, he's a young guy, but he, he's talented. Um, he pitched well out of the bullpen in their first series uh, against the Twins. But then again, you know, everyone talked about how good the White Sox were this year against left-handed pitching the A's actually had the second best record against lefties. They were 14 and three in the regular season. And then they won the game, game number two against Dallas Keuchel. So 15 and three. Do you see this as, as an opportunity for the A's bats to, I mean, they, they looked good for parts of game one. Is this an opportunity for them to continue to, to roll a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, kind of like the White Sox, when they see a left-handed pitcher, they, that, that confidence level goes up. 
Uh, I think we now know why they went McCullers and Valdez against the A's in one and two and not Grinky. It's because McCullers and Valdez throw a ton of curveballs. And the A's going into today only hit 180 against curveballs and breaking balls in general, third worst in Major League Baseball. And Valdez threw the most curveballs of any starter in baseball this year uh, in two months. He threw 60. So I think it's just going to be a curveball bonanza, kind of like what McCullers likes to do uh, with his two seamers. So we'll see. But, no, I think I think the A's are a lot like the White Sox. They see a left-handed pitcher, and they see the opportunity, and that's good. Yeah, I think their eyes light up a little bit with all the, the power-hitting righties they've got. Um, well, okay, let's – Let's look at the positives from game one, because again, it, it was a, it was a painful loss with, with the missed opportunities, but I want to start with Chris Davis uh, hitting a, another home run, his second of the postseason, and, and going opposite field, kind of looking like classic Chris Davis back spinning the ball out to right center. He's looked, I feel like his at bats have, have looked a lot better. He's still not all the way back to being the guy that he was a few years ago, but what does that do for this A's lineup? If he can at least, uh, provide a little bit of danger in the middle there. Well, I mean, if you could get somewhat of Chris Davis back, that gives you such a huge threat, especially with Matt Chapman being out. And, you know, Chris Davis getting another hit today along with the home run. Yeah. I think the bottom line where we are right now, if, if anybody comes in with big time velocity, he is so far behind. But McCullers isn't that big of a velocity guy. And neither is Valdez. So if you can put him up against guys like that, and even a Grinky, and I know he doesn't have great numbers career-wise against Grinky, but anybody who's bringing 97-plus, Chris has just been so far behind. But at this point, I don't know what you do. I, don't, I mean, you really kind of got nothing to lose, and, he, and he's kind of been swinging the bat for you a little bit. So I think if you're Bob Melvin, you got to keep running him out there. I think watching Matt Olson go yard today, uh, you saw the walk in the first at bat, and then he went yard to, to uh, center field. Was good to see. So, I mean, scoring some runs, but still, they should have scored a lot more. They still have that problem of getting those key hits with runners in scoring position and scoring runs when they don't hit home runs. That's a great point because I think that was a huge moment in the in this in game number one when they had runners on second and third, nobody out a chance to extend the lead. I think at the time they were up four to three, end up getting nothing more out of it. You're right. I mean, in the postseason, I think that's magnified where you've got to take advantage of those opportunities. Sure, hitting the home runs is great uh, and, and they can build on that. But I think the A's still need to, not just coming through with, with hits and runners in scoring position, which I think they were like 0 for 6 today, but driving runners in, even without a hit, when you've got a runner on third and less than two outs. Now they did... In the next inning, Mark Canna uh, able to get the sacrifice fly. That made it 5-3, but I think we need to see more of that. Um, I want to stick with Matt Olson since you brought him up because that was, yeah, that must have been a really nice sight for, for Bob Melvin and for the A's uh, organization to see Olson go, go deep in game one. Before that, I think he was like 0 for 13 uh, in the playoffs and, and seemed to, he's really for the last month or so of the season seeming to, be struggling to see the ball and it feels like fastballs even fastballs up he, he's missing um have you seen any signs uh for optimism obviously the home run has to be one but do you think that he's a guy who could maybe uh get get back on track here in this series yeah i think if anybody needed the layoff 
it was Matt Olson. You know, it was funny. I, I, had, a, I had a buddy text me like, why are they not playing this weekend? I mean, I just, I, you know, you, you got this opportunity to play. And I went, I said, you kind of understand. Everybody's exhausted. Yeah. Like people, I mean, you, you think that's only 60 games. No, I mean, with all the double headers, a lot of baseball in a short period of time, a very short period of time. And going through a series like they did against the White Sox, these guys were exhausted. And yes, Matt Olson hasn't been able to hit fastballs and they've been challenging him with fastballs. I had a, I had a number in front of me earlier today, but I don't know where it is now. <laughs> I've been working all day. I, yeah. uh, we'll let it slide. They've been challenging him. It's no secret. You know, the sky reports out, he is late behind fastballs and they've been giving him a steady diet of fastballs. And I'm just hoping like, he's a guy that give me a couple days that, and we saw the home run today, first at bat with a walk. So that's yep. good. He's seeing it next at bat home run, because, you know, I mean, they're not going to make it to San Diego if Matt Olson doesn't hit. I mean, that's just, I mean, he, he's, he's the big power bat that you have left. And if he's not going to hit, because I, I don't trust in Chris Davis, I think everything that happened, anything that's a plus for Chris Davis, I think will be fabulous for the team. Yeah. But uh, they need Matt Olson to hit and hit for power. I mean, look at the lineup today. I think it was Correa, Bregman, Altuve, and Springer combined for 11 hits and eight RBIs. Wow. That is your primetime players. Show, I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I think that's it. That's yeah. your primetime players showing up on the big stage. Well, the A's, if you're going to beat these guys who are battle-tested and they're trying to go to the ALCS for the fourth straight year and in the wild-card era, only the Yankees, the Braves, and the Cardinals have gone to four straight LCS series. So these guys are battle-tested, and they showed you today they're up for the fight are you up for the fight? That's what we're going to see tomorrow. I think that's a good point. Uh, one more question about the offense here. Um, you know, Sean Murphy, what can you say about this kid? He, he hits another home run, his second of the playoffs. He's been kind of under the, well, probably not under the radar if you're an A's fan, but uh, on the national stage, a little bit under the radar, one of the better hitters on the team this year, maybe the best. Uh, do you see the possibility of moving him up in the lineup or do you like keeping him in that nine spot just to, to give you that depth? I think Melvin puts him in the nine spot, no matter what happens. And I, I, I couldn't believe what I saw today. TBS had it where he's the first rookie catcher ever to Homer in back-to-back postseason games. No one's ever done that before. That's and I was incredible. like, wow. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, of course, Gene Tennyson his first, uh, in 1972 against the Cincinnati Reds, went yard twice in one game. But to go back-to-back is so impressive. Yeah, I think they keep him in the nine hole. I don't think they want to put any more pressure on him. I mean, he's a rookie catcher. First and foremost, it's about handling the pitching staff. So I think they're going to – and as you mentioned, it gives you depth in the lineup, gives you power down at the bottom of the lineup. But I don't think they're going to put any extra pressure on him. They're going to focus on his defense. But I think we could all see – in the future, he's going to be moving up that lineup. There's no question about it. Oh, he's going to be. I tweeted it today. I mean, the, the kid's a stud, both with the bat and defensively. We saw him throw out Altuve uh, trying to steal second base. He's going to be so much fun for A's fan to watch, not just this year, but for, for several years to come. Uh, you know, as we move forward, we've talked about Manaya a little bit. To me, 
I'm most interested just to see how the A's respond from a mental standpoint, because this was just, I know it was only game one, but it was a rough loss. As I said, they had a couple of leads in this game, the error by Marcus Simeon leading to four unearned runs, you know, the bullpen really not pitching all that great. Uh, what, what do you think we see from this A's team? I, I, the one good thing I'll say is in the first round against the White Sox, I was impressed how they bounced back. I mean, after game one of that series, they looked dead in the water and everyone was burying them and they come out and they win the next two games. So they've shown they can do it. Do you think that they will show that same type of resilience in this series? Is there another option? Yeah, good point. I mean, that's, we can always say, that's ah, game one. Look how they're, you know, the, they get over all these hurdles and they're resilient and they are, but sometimes you run out of magic and you, and you, you, you need, as I mentioned, you know, all these, all these wild card games or division series, they constantly get down. And how many games do we see them get down early in games? Cause they normally, unlike today, score a lot of runs late in the game, not early in the game. Today was like a total opposite. They scored early and didn't score late. Um, but you can't you can't keep putting yourself in that hole. I mean, because at some point, you know, the next round, whether you get the Rays or the Yankees, you want to talk about how tough those ball clubs are going to be, and then whoever you're going to face in the World Series. So putting yourself always behind is not good. Yeah. And tomorrow is to, you know the fight is on. Like I said earlier, Houston showed you that they're better than their record. They're better than how they played this year. And they, 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 they got some breaks against the Twins, and they took them out in two games. You know, the Twins had bases loaded in the first inning of both games, did not ca capitalize. And if you, go take, if you go take Nelson Cruz out of that lineup and what he did in that series, the rest of the Twins in those two games hit like .094. They didn't hit at all. So they squeaked by the Twins, but they didn't squeak by today. And what did they say? I mean, Correa was like, for all the haters, here we come. Dusty Baker said, uh, and I'm trying not to be negative. I, I'm coming off this loss, right? And I'm coming off doing the postgame show. So this is what we've been talking about. But Dusty Baker said, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. And now I was like, okay, we'll see, Dusty. But then all of a sudden you go out and win 10 to 5. That was a statement today. I think there's no question. Yeah. You know, I, I've thought about that too a lot. It, to me, the Astros mentality appears to have changed. And I, I think they're really starting to embrace, they understand that everyone hates them and they're starting to embrace that they're, they're okay with the us against the world mentality. I, I feel like in the regular season that bothered them a little bit, all, you know, all the hate they were receiving and, and being the villains. And I think that's, I mean, obviously they had a lot of injuries, but I think that's part of why they struggled offensively and, you know, you look at up and down the lineup, pretty much no one had a good year for them. And all of a sudden now they're like, you know what, screw it. We'll, we'll be the villains. And Carlos Correa with his comments and Dusty Baker has said similar things to that. And they do seem like they're getting their swagger back a little bit more, which I think makes game two even more important. Um, you know, another thing is this, the starting pitching for the A's outside of, of Chris Bassett's start in the first round in game two. I think I read that in their last six postseason games for the A's, only one time has, has their starter gone more than four innings. And that was the Bassett start last time, not in game one. So I think that just puts you behind the eight ball too. And you've got to go to your pen that early. And I think it's even more important for Sean Mania. Like you said, uh, get out to the early lead, but also for Sean Mania to give them a little bit of depth. And I guess that's the big question mark with him. 
early in the year, that was, that was a problem for him. Uh, he did pitch well, though, against the Astros in the regular season. I think seven innings, one run, two hits. What do you expect to see from Manaya tomorrow? I'm hoping for like six. Yeah. I hope he goes out and gives you some length because the numbers show it. Uh, when, when an A starter goes six innings this year, they're like 21 and one. That's all you need with that bullpen, right? You yeah. Just if they go five, it's still a great record. It's, they need some like, cause, cause this is what scares me. You can sit there and say how great your bullpen is, but whenever you have to use a lot of different bullpen guys, there could always be one guy who's a hiccup like today, JB Wendelkin, the right. air happens and next thing you know, he can't get anybody out and puts up four. When you have a ton of different relievers, you're expecting a lot of different guys to be perfect. And it takes just one guy to not be perfect on that day. And it really and it really brings you down. So that's why you'd rather get six. You'd rather get some length out of your starter, less relievers, your better relievers, better chance of winning. And then th- there's the question. Okay, Bob Melvin doesn't need – Dusty Baker was the same way. But Bob Melvin didn't want to tell us who's going game three because how does that change with a win versus a loss? Sure. If you win tomorrow, who do you go with? If you lose tomorrow, then who do you go with? And how does that play with Jesus Cesardo? How does that play with Frankie Montas, somebody with experience versus someone who doesn't have experience, you know? I mean, if you win tomorrow, are you kind of now playing with house money again and you want to go Lazardo? Or if you lose tomorrow, Frankie, the last two times, has thrown the ball better, has more, a little more experience. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I think that's a great point. I was thinking about that, too, because, yeah, Lazardo and Montas, that's an interesting decision. What's funny is <laughs> during the game today, I, I had a buddy of mine text me when all those home runs were flying out of Dodger Stadium. He, he texted me basically like, oh, boy, we, we cannot throw fires out there in this ballpark <laughs> with, with the fly balls that he gives up. Um, so I, I kind of agree with you where I, I feel like it's either going to be Lazardo or Montas in game three. And I, and I think a lot of that, as you said, probably does have to do with the result potentially in game two. One thing you brought up that I, I think you're spot on is when you're talking about the relievers and how when you throw a lot of relievers, you need them to all be on their game on that particular day. I thought it was interesting that they took Yusmero Petit out after just the one inning. Now, I know that he's kind of their guy, their fireman guy. When, when there's people on base, he's the guy that gets out of jams, and they're going to want to use him a lot in this series. I just thought with how good he looked getting out of the jam in the fifth inning, and he only made eight pitches, I was a little surprised that they didn't throw him back out there for one more in the sixth. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that he maybe should have got another inning, or were they right to – you know, keep his pitch count down so it can go again tomorrow and maybe the next day. I would say this, because JB Wendelkin has been a guy that you can bring in and he's been good and you can get multiple innings out of him. And I think, yes, Merrill Petit is a guy that Bob Melvin's looking, hey, how many, in a five-game series, if this goes five, how many times am I going to have to pitch yes, Merrill? And it might be five, knowing four? him. Four? Yeah. Right? If it goes five, I, I Probably can four. Him easily going for so if i get out of the jam with him now jb can take over give me some length i I mean i saw the game plan but as we just talked about when you have that kind of game plan you're relying on a lot of people that have to be really really good and if you have one hiccup and there you saw the hiccup and it started with an error unfortunately but you have one hiccup 
that plan goes down the drain really quick. It's kind of like the opener, right? The opener looks right. good until the guy goes out there and gives up two runs in the first inning. Exactly. And that, that kind of reminiscent of what we saw a uh, couple wild card games ago against the Yankees when, when the A's kind of went with that bullpen game and starting Liam Hendricks. And you, you are counting on a lot of guys being on their game. Well, hopefully the A's will, uh, will fight back in game two and even the series. I still expect this one to be a long series. I, I, I still think it's going to go five games. And so before I let you go, and I want to thank you again, Chris. I know you've been really busy today uh, for coming on. Just wanted to ask you a little bit about A's cast this year. I mean, it's obviously this has been a crazy year for everybody. It's a crazy year in baseball. The pandemic has changed everything. What's it been like from your standpoint? It, has it been a lot tougher to do your job or have you been able to make the adjustment okay? You know, I'm, I'm kind of proud of our team that, that, that works on A's cast because I, I, I don't think a lot of people understand that from the time the season ended, Till the, till the time the season came back in late July, we basically carried a baseball show for eight and a half months with no baseball. <laughs> That's impressive. So like a lot of people don't think about that. Like we did the winter meetings and we did all the free agency and everything. But then we started, you know, talking about the 70s teams and the late 80s teams. But we carried a baseball show for eight and a half months. So I think we're all really proud about that. Um, we are now by far the number one podcast in major league baseball. We, we we're smoking. They don't love us telling everybody this, but we're smoking everybody in yeah. numbers and, and uh, ACE cast live our live talk show that we're going to be on at 9 AM every morning throughout this series for three hours uh, has really carried it to give us more than just a normal podcast download feel that you're actually getting live programming along with the pregame, the game and the post game. And I just think, um, for an organization that for years has struggled with television ratings and radio ratings, we're kicking ass with our podcast and we're kicking ass with Ace Cast and Ace Cast Live. So it just shows you put a good product out there and you do it right. Uh, and we're just not all about A's. I mean, if you, if you follow us on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, you're going to see, we have the biggest names in the sport. I mean, we, yeah. and, and everybody is following us. That's the great thing. Everybody knows what we're doing. Everybody's following us. Everybody knows that this is the future, that everybody is going to be doing this uh, in the not too near distant future. So look, you know, the A's have been pioneers in a lot of things in Major League Baseball, and we're definitely pioneers in this. And I could be prouder of our group. You guys do a phenomenal job. And I do want to give you guys a shout out on Twitter. Be sure to follow A's cast at at AthleticsCast24, and you can follow Townie at Townsend Radio. And, uh, yeah, make sure to listen to A's Cast. As, as you said, you guys have really been dominating this year, even when there hasn't been baseball. So we hope that you get to keep doing this with baseball for, uh, well, for the rest of the month through October. We want to see a deep run for the A's, and uh, that starts hopefully with a Game 2 win in this series. Townie, thank you so much for coming on the Believe in A's podcast and uh, keep up the good work. All right, buddy, you be well anytime you need me. And of course, you know I'm gonna need you on my show. Sounds good, anytime. The busiest man in sports broadcasting right there, Chris Townsend, Uncle Townie. We appreciate him taking some time after his busy day to come on the Believe in A's podcast. And again, you can follow Townie on Twitter, at Townsend Radio. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Ben Ross Tweets as the A's and Astros getting set for game two 
of their best of five series. We'll be back at you next week, next Tuesday, with a brand new edition of the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. And we hope that it's another playoff edition for the A's. That would mean that they've advanced to the ALCS to face off against either the Yankees or the Rays in San Diego. But, of course, still plenty of work to do before that. Down 1-0 to Houston. Win or lose, we will have a new episode for you, though, next Tuesday. Make sure you download and subscribe wherever you get your pods. We thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. And we will talk to you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.